Well, thank you. Thank you all very, very much. We, Gabra and I, are so blessed. You know, we, we're very blessed and encouraged over in Ireland. And uh, the church out there in the Stowell is so, so loving and supportive. And then we come here for Christmas and New Year and bathe in all this love and encouragement. And uh, I must say that uh, one feels the surge here, a surge of a new momentum of the Holy Spirit. And... Uh, uh, Gabba and I will be leaving tomorrow and returning, God willing, in June. And we, we're thrilled that some of you are going to be coming out during that time to visit us. We're looking forward to that very, very much indeed. And um, it's interesting, isn't it, that um, the world out there, uh, you know, we're coming back in June. We can't predict what's going to happen on the international and national scene. I think rarely can I remember a start of a year where there's so much uncertainty and pessimism, really, nationally and internationally. People are so worried about Brexit, about Donald Trump, uh, what's happening in the Middle East. And uh, even now, today, there's a conference being held in Paris to try and decide the future of uh, Israel and Palestine. Israel's not been invited, but, you know, one shudders to think what's going to happen in the natural. But God is on the throne. God is on the throne. And I think it's no accident that as the nations are being shaken, there's a shaking going on. And uh, the kingdom of God is growing. There's a sense of momentum. Uh, we sense that in Ireland. And there's a sense of momentum in here, a sense of excitement about what God is doing. And it's been thrilling once again to hear the testimonies here this morning. And uh, it reminds me that last summer, a group of us from the church in Listowel about 20 or 30 of us, um, ascended the, the hill that overlooks the place where we live um, on, on the Shannon Estuary. The, the name of the hill is called Kanokanor, which I gather in Gaelic means uh, field of gold. Or some people say it may mean field of slaughter. I prefer field of gold. I think it refers to the golden corn at the top of the hill. But it's a wonderful place to come. Um, those of you coming out well, and I want to take you up to the top of Kanokanor. It's a wonderful place to go and pray. And that's what we were doing. We were praying because you can see about six counties, County Kerry and Galway, different counties, and praying. And God brought prophetic word. And the word was saying increases coming in the church prepare the nets and i think we need to take that word seriously here increase is coming the church is growing and uh, you know uh, trustees and leadership team and other leaders come on you've got to prepare for growth you know and to to hold the fish that are going to come in these are exciting times and you know when we think about growth of the church and uh, um, what God is going to do, uh, it's good to think about, uh, about what sort of church do we want. I mean, we're part of the leadership team there in Listowel, and, and uh, you know, we spend time praying, and I'm sure you do here, thinking about, well, what sort of church do we want? It's growing, it's increasing. And, uh, you know, at times I hear different, different people emphasizing different aspects. 
Um, some people say we want a church that with an emphasis on evangelism. After all, this is what the church is here for, to go out and save the lost. And, uh, and there's a great truth in that. And I, I was very encouraged last week. I think we had great testimonies here about Alpha Course, about the Sparklers group. And I rejoice in the fact that here in Kings, um, positive steps are being taken as they have, always have been, but it seems with even greater enthusiasm and more fruit coming in to evangelize the lost. This is exciting, and it's something we should all have on our hearts. We want to reach out and bring in uh, unsaved men and women to the kingdom of God. That's a, that's a very, very exciting emphasis in the church. At other times, I hear people saying, we want to see signs and wonders and miracles. In fact, over Christmas... Um, uh, Gabriel and I visited lots of family members, and I was delighted that after many years, we were able to go and visit my sister. There's been some kind of estrangement, but there was reconciliation, and, and uh, my sister doesn't go to church, but she watches the God Channel a lot. And uh, she was quite uh, confrontative in saying, oh, where are the, all the healings? You know, what's happening? You know, of course, you get so much emphasis that I believe I don't have the God channel, but I believe there's a lot of emphasis on that, healings. Where are the healings in your church? Where are the, where's the miraculous and so on? And, of course, we all want that. I mean, we, we believe for healing. We all pray for healing. And, praise God, we, we see people healed at times. But I do believe, of course, that as we... Um, as the body of Christ grow closer together under the anointing of the Holy Spirit um, in openness, honesty, transparency, and the love of God is flowing, we're going to see more of the miraculous. I think it will flow out of that. We're not trying to, to hype it up. It will happen. As, uh, uh, as James shared, as he prayed with Rosie, so we're of the anointing of God coming down, the presence of God, and we'll sense that, and the the healing, the healing power of Jesus will flow. And I hear at times other people, as they think about the church, saying, we want to see a church that is relevant to society, that is impacting society. Because after all, the, man, the word of God declares in Ephesians that the manifold wisdom of God should, will be displayed through the church to the principalities and powers. And that as society out there is failing, and uh, watching the news over the weekend, it seems every news broadcast was saying what a terrible NHS we have and how, how it's failing. I thought if only you'd lived in China and places, you'd realize what a wonderful NHS we have. We're so privileged. And if you've only had to wait six hours in A&E, when you're not dying, you really are very privileged and you're getting all the treatment free. And please don't complain that you have to pay to park the car because if you go to China, you have to pay hundreds of pounds just to see a doctor or an x-ray. You realize how privileged we are here and we should be thanking God for the NHS instead of moaning and complaining. Anyway, so anyway, uh, society is... <laughs> society is disintegrating in many ways. We know that governments are, are challenged and more and more I believe God wants to display his manifold wisdom through the church and I believe uh, as a group of people as the body of Christ more and more we're going to be involved in society and I praise God over there in Ireland that um, uh, 
Tom, some of you have met Tom Griffin, whose uh, bungalow we share. Um, He's somebody who's a psychologist who's really felt uh, from the Lord to really um, uh, organize workshops to help people with fear and stress. Wonderful to see non-Christians coming in because people are stressed. They are full of fear. And these are very practical ways that we can reach out with the love of God. And uh, I think in a few months' time, we'll be being very bold. Uh, we're going to have a whole day's workshop on how to handle and deal with same-sex attraction. Well, that's a kind of a hot one, isn't it, really? A difficult one. But, you know, these are issues as a church we need to be looking at. These are, some of these are real problem areas for people out there in the world. So I believe more and more... Um, under the creative anointing of the Holy Spirit, we're going to find ourselves more and more engaged in all sorts of areas of society. And there again, I hear some people say, well, ultimately the church is, is, is a church that's to be a church full of prayer. Prayer. This is a prayer and worship. Praise. This should be the heart of the church. And that is true. That is true. Prayer. I believe we're not going to see the increase God wants, uh, the impacting in society, the healings, if we're not um, increasing our prayer. I'm delighted Simon said about a day of fasting this week. And really, you know, all of us, I think, need to be involved in some kind of prayer group in the church. Um, I think it's a little easier out there in the southwest of Ireland because a lot of people are out of work um, and not so many wives are working. So really, you know, we get half the church come to the weekly prayer meeting, and that's a wonderful time. I know that's not so easy in our very busy society, but really we need all of us to be somewhere engaged in a group of people praying. And, and we really are flowing through the week in a, with a momentum of prayer. And you may well say, well, I'm too busy. I've got so much on. Well, you'd always be busy. Until you start to get prayer at the center of your life, the other things will not fall into place. I, I've discovered as we make prayer our priority and we set aside definite times, things that seemed momentous tasks and the other seem to fall into place. So please, let's get into that momentum of prayer. Well, um, I felt this morning to look at the end of the letter to the Hebrews. And uh, I love the book of Hebrews. It's one of the great epistles uh, in the New Testament. We don't know who wrote the book. Very modest man. He didn't put his name at the end of it. Very modest uh, man. And, you know, the book of Hebrews is full of great doctrines and expositions about Jesus being the being God, the Son of God, and how he's the pattern son and our great high priest, and how in Jesus, really, this letter was written to Jews. Jewish Christians were in danger of drifting back to Judaism and all sorts of Old Testament practices. And the writer is saying, Jesus is a fulfillment of all of that. We don't need to go back into those old styles of worship. We need to move on in the life of faith, the life of faith. And, um, you know, the, the, the book in chapters 11 and 12 reaches a great crescendo with an exposition on the life of faith. And 
some of these verses, the beginning of chapter 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And so it goes on in that wonderful strain. And then we come to chapter 13, which is really the bottom line. You know, having gone through these great truths, well, so what? What do we do as ordinary men and women in the body of Christ? What does this mean for us? And that's what I love about this last chapter. It's not sort of set on this great heroic sort of note. It's really down-to-earth practical advice. All right, God is moving. There's a momentum of the Holy Spirit in the church. What does this mean for you and me? How are we to live our lives? And let's go back to chapter 12, verse 28. Remember, in the original uh, letter, there were no verses or chapters, so that they're a bit artificial at times. Uh, I'm reading from the NIV, chapter 12, verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Keep on loving each other as brothers. And that wonderful truth, for our God is a consuming fire, let us keep on loving each other as brothers. And sometimes when we read a statement like that, our God is a consuming fire, we can be, I think, fearful in a wrong way. We think, oh, fire, judgment. But really, you know, it's the fire of love. you know, the word of God is very clear in, in the, John's first epistle. God is love. God is a consuming fire. What is this fire of God? It's the fire of love. And, and it includes holiness and righteousness. And uh, yes, there is judgment because if people approach that fire of God, the fire of love, uh, and they allow hatred and evil and sin to fill their lives, then they are going to find the fire of God's love frightening. And, and here the writer goes on in the practical outworking of that. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing some people have entertained angels without knowing. The, I, I believe as, as the momentum of the Holy Spirit increases, if we want to increase, we have to grow in love. Um, And it's not something we can work up or make happen. It has to be the Holy Spirit that does it, that ignites our hearts with the fire of God, with the love of God. And sometimes we can make up all sorts of excuses uh, and reasons why we're not more loving and demonstrative about our love. Last week I was actually preaching at the Chinese church in Southampton on 1 John about God is love. And... I was making the point that, you know, often people can say, well, culturally, uh, we don't expect us to express our love in the same way. And I was telling them about a Chinese man I met in China who said to me, we Chinese men could never say to our wives, I love you. That is something Western and unacceptable. We don't do that sort of thing. And, yes, it's true. And, of course, so many Chinese marriages are kind of arranged, even within the Chinese church. And 
one of the great problems affecting underground house churches in China is the condition of the marriage between leaders in the house churches. And it all goes back to this, I think, failure to express and to communicate love. It reminds me some years ago when um, we were working in China, we had a team in Hanzhong. Some of you have been to Hanzhong. We had a, a looking after a big orphanage, and we had a big team. And we had a young lady there, one of our nurses from New England. New England, you know, the intellectual part of America, Boston, Harvard, Yale. And she would say to us, I won't try and imitate her American accent, well, I'm from New England, and we don't hug and do all this kind of bracing each other. That's for others. We are intellectual. I thought, yeah, yeah. And I want to I say to someone, really, we need to let the fire of God's love start melting our hearts, start melting our hearts uh, in our marriages, families, reaching out. I, I must say, we were very blessed over Christmas. I did see some real breakthroughs in my extended family. And uh, I don't know what it's like with you over Christmas. You sometimes find, you, do you find yourself at times with sort of gatherings, fam- not with your own immediate family, but with maybe your extended family and you, you're sitting down and there's a kind of a social gathering with in-laws or brothers of in-laws or uncle so-and-so and you sometimes think, what am I doing here? I don't seem to have much in common with these people And the danger is we can kind of think, oh, I've just got to do my duty and get it over with and and make a move. And that's a wrong attitude. No, you're there. God's put you there to love these people. And instead of thinking, oh, second cousin Joe, oh, why do I have to put up with him every year? Or the chap who married my sister or something... That attitude is wrong, isn't it? We're there to be channels of God's love to these people. And uh, we were at one of these gatherings. I had to come against that attitude. Some of these people, I thought, who are they? I don't know some of them, and I don't seem to have much in common, but reach out. And I think the most moving thing I received at Christmas was just last week, we received a letter from um, one of our great nieces. And uh, she was at one of these gatherings, and she said... I just want to write to you. You, you. you may have thought I was sat there during the evening, detached, not engaged in conversation. But And, and this particular young lady, um, she's in her 20s, has suffered in life. She suffered abuse. She suffered some terrible things. But she's in a relationship, living with a partner, you know, not yet married. I hope they're going to get married this year. But And she said, and she went on to share her heart and say, what she was processing and how really the impact, you know, Gabriel and I over the years have sort of reached out, what a difference that's made and how the love of God is enabling her to come out of her shell. So keep on reaching out. And it may be, you know, looking back over Christmas, you remember different ones, you thought, I was cold towards them. Well, get on the, get on the computer, send them an email and but, you know, yesterday I got on the computer and sent out uh, an email to Gabriel's extended family from us. I was so glad I did because I had a letter. We had an email back immediately from a distant cousin to say, so great to hear f- from you. My father passed away this morning. 
And sometimes, you know, when God quickens your heart to do it, do it. Don't hold back. Be the initiator. And that really comes through in this next verse, doesn't it? Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, people have entertained angels without knowing it. Well, we don't reach out to strangers because we hope they're angels. (laughs) We do it because we want to show the love of God. And I think as this church increases and the momentum of the Holy Spirit increases, we want to be known, and this is true in our, as a church of love, where strangers feel embraced, overwhelmed by the love of God. Um, in the stole, we do it different ways. We have a church lunch every Sunday. Those who've been out there know that we, there's a lunch every Sunday. People encourage us to stay, feel loved, embraced, and it's great. There are, you know, lunches here occasionally, and there are different ways people reach out. That's wonderful. Um, you know, over the years, Gabby and I have been to lots of different churches over the, around the world and this country. And sometimes we're the, we're, we're the guest speakers. Well, that's lovely. You know, you're sort of given a great welcome, hopefully, and people want to chat to you afterwards. But sometimes we go and it's maybe one of our children's churches or uh, we're visiting somebody. And, and you know, sometimes uh, our son or daughter may, a daughter may say, son-in-law, oh, look, do you mind we're on the tea rotor today or we've got a, a meeting for the, for the youth leaders. Can you look after yourselves after church and we'll, we'll, we'll meet you a bit later? And, you know, we've sat at, we've stood at the back of the church with our mug of coffee feeling like gooseberries, you know. <laughs> nobody, nobody at all interested. Um, somebody, oh, hi, you know. And that's it, you think. You know, you sort of limp out to the car park, you know, and retreat there and think, what's wrong with me? Nobody's taking... And really, it's terrible if people come into Kings here and nobody speaks to them or it's a kind of a cold uh, kind of thing. So important to reach out, reach out, make people feel loved. I think we've got to be spiritually mature. You know, one of the problems with teenagers... I hope teenagers don't mind me saying this. Anyway, in talking to grandchildren over the years and, you know, other young people, we do talk with young people, and we say, why have you dropped out of going to church? Why don't you go? And, and they say, well, you know, there's a kind of a, a little click, they click there, and, and if you're not part of that group, nobody wants to know you. Or if you're not in with so-and-so, you know, you're just left on your own. And, I think that's, and you think that's terribly sad. And, uh, but, you know, as men and women of God, we've, we've, we've got to grow beyond the teenage stage, that we don't come to church and stay with our little group. We do reach out and look out for people. Um, oh, time is racing by. Just a few more thoughts here. Remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners and... Those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Um, I'm so thrilled every week. I I read the report from Linda Bridges, you know, about the Hazel Project, about people going out in the streets. It's not easy to go down above bar and reach out to those people sleeping in doorways. I I admire them for doing it. And, And really, it's a wonderful practical expression and I really I you know I read about those desperate case histories and not all of us are called to do that and many of us feel would feel I think we we're out of our depth but you know God will challenge us in different ways to have a practical expression of the love of God 
And it will take us out of our comfort zone. I remember over 40 years ago, after Gab and I were baptized in the Holy Spirit, living in Hong Kong in a very comfortable uh, army major's quarter, looking over the best beach in Hong Kong, uh, and God challenged us to start taking in drug addicts. Um, Not nice middle-class drug addicts, but, you know, Chinese gangsters from the triad gangs, you know, people who had done all sorts of terrible things just to bring them in into our home and let them go through a rehabilitation. I, initially, when God challenged me with that, I felt no way. I'm out of, I couldn't, know. But, you know, God will take us out of our comfort zones, and we have to be willing to say, Lord, I'm willing, uh, however it is. It may be you're not called to go and visit somebody in prison. You may not know people in prison, but God will call you to reach out, and it's going to take you out of your comfort zone. And be willing for God to do that. I just want to um, emphasize, there's so much in this chapter, do read it, so much that's practical there about the importance of marriage, about being content. Verse, Verse five, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That's not the spirit of the world, is it? The whole spirit of the world is materialism, hedonism. Be discontented with what you have. Reach out for a better car, a better whatever. And uh, I think one of the saddest spectacles I see when I... I think it's on a Saturday usually you go into shops which sell lottery tickets and scratch cards and, you know, people are queuing up. I hope none of us do that, are we? I hope we're content with what we've got. We're not buying lottery tickets because if you are, it speaks of the fact that you are discontented. And instead of waking up on a Saturday morning saying, thank you, Lord, for my old rusty Nissan Micra, and (laughs) thank you, Lord, whatever, praise you, thank you for being part of King's Church, Thank you, Lord. You know, you're thanking the Lord so much. You, you step out of bed, you're so contented, you're not dashing down to go and buy a pound lottery ticket because you are fed up with what you've got. And really, if you are discontented, it will come out through your pores of your skin. It will come out at work. People will sense you're a discontented person. You're not going into that office or workplace, wherever it is, brimming with Oh, grace, contentment, thankfulness for all that God has given you. Just one last verse here. Um, Verse 10. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. Referring to the the sin offering in the Old Testament where the the bodies of the bulls and the goats were taken out and burnt outside of the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city but we are looking for the city that is to come. Do you know, I, I remember um, when I was young, I think there was a chorus. I can't remember all the words. I, was very, I seem to remember this chorus. People should sing, outside the camp is a lonely place, outside the city wall. And really, 
all right, there's a great emphasis in Christian circles today in, on outreach, inclusivity, including people, and so on. But at the end of the day, there's a place where as a man or woman of God, you've got to take your stand with Jesus and be willing to be stand outside the camp. And as a problem, I sense today, I'm praying about what I sense for some of us, this is a real problem acceptance is so important for us. And I think it is in today's society. When I look at Facebook and these other um, media, you know, social channels, you know, for many people, acceptance is so important to get that little click, like, you know, (laughs) and so on, and to have the circle of friends and all that kind of thing. And there's nothing wrong with it. That's good. And I, I praise God for Facebook and communication. But at the end of the day, you've got to decide my friendship with Jesus Christ is the friendship that counts. And I am willing to suffer rejection and to, with him and be outside the city wall. And uh, I, I mentioned, you know, 40 years ago when I was an officer in the army and, and came into the baptism of the Spirit and we nailed our colors to the mast in the army circles. It didn't go down well. I found afterwards sometimes being in the officer's mess was a very lonely place. People didn't particularly want to sit down with you at your end of the mess because you were that born-again Christian, uh, gone, you know, gone all loopy or something. And, um, and you know, for some of us, we, we've gone for years in our place of work or wherever it is with our circle of people, and we're, we're saying, well, I, I just sort of need to build up their confidence, win their friendship first, and... Uh, be accepted, then I'll say something. Well, we'll go around pussyfooting like that for years, forever. You know, we have to decide acceptance by other men and women is not my priority. I am willing to suffer rejection. I am willing to really be rejected professionally and socially. And I, I think there's a real word there for some of us. We need to take that away and make that decision. Amen. Well... Why don't we finish with this great prayer, Uh, verse 20. Verse 20 is this wonderful prayer that really sums it all up. Praise God. And uh, maybe I'll pray that, pray that for all of us to bring this word to an end. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, Equip us with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.